In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've probably all seen, received, uh, maybe even put on our fridge at some point, one of those little birth announcements. Usually, you know, there's a picture or two of a newborn baby, girl or boy. They look cute and cuddly and adorable. Their name is written on it in nice font. Date of birth, maybe the weight, you know, those kinds of things. Ordinarily, we receive these kinds of announcements from friends or family or newlyweds. Maybe they're just starting their family. Perhaps they're celebrating and want to share that joy of their first, second, third, or fourth child. But imagine this, that the next time you get one of those birth announcements in the mail, or by email, or on your phone, or whatever, that instead of it being sent to you by one of your family members or friends who's, you know, in their 20s or 30s, it's sent to you instead from your grandmother or your great-grandma, who's about 90 years old or so. Guess what? We're having a baby. Wait a minute, you might be thinking, is it April 1st? Are there cameras around somewhere? Who's putting a joke on me? Is this some kind of joke? You might even just laugh at the sheer hilarity of it, of attending a baby shower for your 90-year-old grandma or great-grandma. But this is exactly what's happening in Genesis 18, as we heard a few minutes ago. It's sweltering outside. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. Abraham, of course, doesn't have any AC in his tent. So he's outside under the oaks of Mamre, trying to cool off a bit. Maybe even fighting a little afternoon nap and nodding his head, as we sometimes do when it's hot and after lunch. He looks up, maybe rubs his eyes to make sure. Yeah, he sees three visitors coming along out the way. We've probably all heard this story before. So we know, at least we may have heard, that these three visitors aren't just random travelers that happen to be wandering by Abraham's tent. Depending on who you ask, maybe it's the Holy Trinity, or Jesus and two angels accompanying him. It seems more likely Jesus and the two angels, because of what happens in the next scenario or next part of the story with angels and Sodom and Gomorrah and all that. But whatever it may be, God himself is appearing to Abraham in some kind of human form because he's eating and drinking with him. And he's able to be visible and talk with Abraham all while under these oaks of memory. But of course, at the beginning of the story, Abraham doesn't quite know all of that yet. He will later when the Lord promises again. But for now, the visitors are there. They're no doubt hungry, thirsty, maybe a little weary from the walk. So Abraham fires up his best Hebrew hospitality. Sarah makes the unleavened bread. Abraham goes out into the pasture, kills the fattened calf, has it prepared, brings out milk and curds and meat. And there sit the three visitors with a little afternoon barbecue under the oaks of Mamre. And then they ask Abram, So, Abraham, where's your wife Sarah? Oh, yes, she's in the tent behind over there. Sounds like a rather unimportant, insignificant detail, but it's not. See, Sarah wasn't there in the previous few chapters when the Lord appeared to Abraham and told him and promised him that there would be a son, just as he had made a covenant with Abraham, just as he had promised to all all the people beforehand, and especially to Adam and Eve, that there would be a chosen seed of the offspring of offspring of the woman that would come and rescue. So the Lord repeats his promise again, this time so that Sarah can hear it and overhear it. 
The Lord says, Surely I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. To say that that was, you know, a little surprising might be an understatement. Because in case we forgot, Moses reminds us that Abraham and Sarah were very old, advanced in years, well past childbearing. And I think Sarah has just about the only reaction any of us could at that point. She laughs. And I don't think we need to think that this was some kind of laughter of disrespect, or maybe doubt, but rather just laughter at the sheer joy. Laughter at the surprise, the outrageous absurdity that God in his grace is going to bring about a promised son to Abraham and Sarah as they're about 90 and 100 years old. Life in a barren womb. It's a, it's a holy hilarity at the way that God chooses to bring life out of death. And it's the opposite of what we would expect or what we would think that God might do. But this is exactly what he does, isn't it? The Lord, once again, as he's done throughout the Old Testament, brings life out of nothing. And in a, about a year later, when the Lord returns, as he promised, there his promise is going to take on flesh in the form of Isaac. And Sarah will give Isaac the name that means laughter, which is what Isaac means. Now, if all of this doesn't sound exactly like a Lenten story, let me reassure you it is. It is a story about many things, of course. It is the Son of God appearing in some visible form to Abraham and eating and drinking and speaking his promises. It's also a story about hospitality. The book of Hebrews picks up on that later and says that when you visit or when you give hospitality to strangers, you may be giving hospitality to strangers or angels unawares. It's also a birth announcement and the continuation of God's promises. But of course, it's so much more than that too. Because along with this birth announcement, it's a life out of death announcement. It's a new birth announcement, a new life promise. It's an announcement of God's hilarious, really, it's kind of funny, in a good way. His gracious, superabundant, unexpected, surprising way of bringing life out of death, of bringing a birth out of a 90-year-old barren womb. This is God's way of announcing that he is keeping his promise to Abraham, and that from his seed would come the offspring, the child, the son, that would bear the sins of the world, that would bless all nations in himself. As we heard last week, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was used by Satan and brought sin and death into the world. He brought death out of what God had made alive. But now here in Genesis 18, we see God undoing that and reversing all of that. By the oaks of Mamre, the Lord promises Abraham that he's going to bring life out of death. Later on in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is going to say this about Sarah and Abraham. Kind of a similar sort of theme, in fact. He says that by faith Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him, the Lord, faithful to his promise. And therefore, from that one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead. 
were born descendants as many as the stars in the sky and innumerable as the grains of sand on the seashore. So this is how God works throughout the scripture. He works something out of nothing. He works faith in Abraham and Sarah's dead sinful hearts. Then he works that same miracle again in the very womb of Sarah, creating Isaac out of barrenness and nothingness. God could, of course, have given them a child early on in their youth, but he didn't. And you might wonder, well, why is that? Well, he waits till they're nearly a century old, and they waited a long time for this promised chosen son, Isaac, to be born. God waits all that time to show them that it's all by his grace, that there's nothing they could possibly have done to make that child, Isaac, be born. The only thing that Abraham and Sarah have to cling to The same thing we have to cling to is that outrageous, gracious promise that God brings life out of death for us too. And he does the same thing for us. But he kind of one-ups himself. Instead of sending Isaac, he's born himself. God becomes man for us, born not in a barren womb, but in a virgin womb, which seems also just as impossible And maybe you notice that what the Lord told Abraham and Sarah overheard is anything anything impossible for the Lord? Same thing Gabriel said to Mary when she said, How will this be since I am a virgin? You see, this is how our Lord works for us. God is made man, and God works that same life out of death, out of nothingness for us. Out of the deadness of our own wicked, sinful hearts, He gives us and works and creates faith in his promise. Out of the wickedness of our sin, he brings forth life in his name. Out of the deadness and decay of our grave, he will raise us up because Jesus died and rose for us. That great offspring of Abraham who makes all of us Abraham's sons and daughters too. You see, just like our Lord did for Abraham and Sarah, he does for us. He speaks, and his word creates faith out of nothing. As the Lord spoke to Abraham and appeared to him underneath that tree of the oaks of Mamre, well, so too he comes and appears for us. Although on the greater tree, on the tree of his cross, where he comes to give us life out of death. And Abraham also foreshadows or points forward to this where the Lord who brought forth life in the barren womb of Sarah is going to bring forth new life out of the tomb. And the same Lord who ate and drank with Abraham also does so with us. Only with kind of a twist. Instead of us inviting Jesus, he invites us. He gives us his precious food, the fattened calf of his body and blood, He is the host this time at his table. We're the guests gathered for his food, that holy food of his body and blood that heals and forgives and brings us once again from death to life. Now, I don't know about you, but all of that sounds like a good reason to laugh with great joy at God's promises, to join Abraham and Sarah in praising our Lord and giving thanks for that sheer surprise that amazing grace of our God who brings life out of death. For us, in this season of Lent, 
and for always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.